Let's go. Let's do this. It is the Chief Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Farzi Vasugi, and appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. As always, little time to waste, a lot to get into. Let's get things going. And a quick reminder, you guys can interact with me on social media. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian is my Facebook page. Give it a like. Talk to me on there. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. So send me a tweet on there as well. And my email, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Subscribe to the podcast. Let a friend know about it. Spread the word for the Chiefs on Podcast. Helps the show out greatly. So please do that when you get a chance. All right. Lots to talk about on this episode, jam-packed episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. A lot to get into with some of the injuries. Of course, we're going to preview the game between the Chiefs and the Steelers that will take place this Sunday. It's going to be a 325 kickoff for the Chiefs, and they'll be playing at Arrowhead Stadium. Jim Nance and Tony Romo will be on the call. I actually want to talk about that a little bit with Max Shepman because this is going to be the first time that... Romo is going to be announcing a game for the Chiefs. And if you haven't heard Romo announce yet, look, set all the Romo jokes aside. Trust me when I say that you will appreciate what he does on the microphone better than a lot of former coaches and players who think it's so easy to just pick up a microphone and start talking football. Romo understands. It really just seems like Romo went to journalism school and just picked it up in one night. That's how good he is on the microphone for CBS. And I'm glad CBS got him. Uh, I, I think it's a big pickup for CBS, and I wasn't quite sure how how he do, but man, he's really good at his job. Certainly, want to talk about that a little bit with Max Shepard. Of course, we'll break down the game, preview the matchup between the Chiefs and the Steelers. The undefeated Chiefs, five and zero, but as we know, it's not all perfect. We'll talk about the injuries in just a moment, and then some uh, some interesting notes. Uh, some three and two teams that are going to be going head to head. This Sunday that I think are worth bringing up when we go around the NFL and just talk about that. Plus, in the penalty flag segment, man, it is it is a heartbreaking segment for me to do this time because I'm throwing a flag at a team that I don't want to throw my flag at. But man, it's it's just devastating what happened to this team. I'll talk about that later on in the podcast. But first things first. Want to go over the injuries that some of the Chiefs have been dealing with. Uh, Of course, Sunday Night Football, just a brutal, brutal Sunday Night Football. Chris Conley, wide receiver for the Chiefs, who I thought, as I said last podcast, had his most active game with the Chiefs. Uh, They have him listed on the injury report. He has not been ruled out for the season by the Chiefs. There are reports that are saying that, but uh, we'll see what ends up coming with that, uh, D Ford, who has been a- inactive uh, for most of the season, he has a back injury but was in full participation. He's the only one on the injury report that is listed as a full participant so far in Wednesday's practice. But guys who did not participate, Conley, as I mentioned, Laurent Duvernay, tar- foot injury. So those guys, neither of them participated in practice this week. As far as other offensive players, Travis Kelsey, the biggest one on this list, he's got a concussion. And he did not challenge video on Facebook. It's kind of similar to the ice bucket challenge where I guess you're eating a, a bag of, through with it. I don't know if this was recorded before or after the going about it challenging Greg Olson. Uh, interesting, funny stuff. Check it out on Travis Kelsey's out if you have a chance on Facebook. Switching over to the defensive side of injuries, I mean, you've always got to be cautious with that too. The other outside linebacker for the Chiefs, Justin Houston, has a calf on Sunday Night Football. Seemed to be precautionary, but we'll see how serious that is. As the, the And you look at Kansas City with their outside linebackers. I mean, look, Tom Bahali's on the PUP. Just, it is kind of a tough situation to, to, to deal with because this has been Kansas City's bread and butter. He's Justin Houston and Tom Bahali, and now it's been D Ford who's been stepping up a little bit lately. And, uh, Defensive lineman Benny Logan also uh, has a knee injury, but was limited. And then, of course, Stephen Terrell, who also suffered a concussion, did not participate in that one. I'll, I'll say this man will need, uh, especially with Eric Berry out. Uh, you never know what these things. Some guys miss one. What could happen? I remember Jeremy Macklin missed four games last year. D'Anthony Thomas. A lot of people were wondering when could he come back in 2015 season. So uh, a lot of times you just never know with these concussions. You you never want to run short-term and the long-term as well. So... Uh, that is something that you've got to be aware of. When uh, The Chiefs have a lot of playmakers on offense uh, across the board, and unfortunately, Kareem Hunt in Kansas City, even if they're without Travis Kelsey for a game or two, I think they'll be able to live by that and, and find every. It was Alex Smith versus the world this offseason, and everything Alex Smith has done, he has got, as long as you've got number 11 under center, 
I say you trust everything that you've got on your offense. Sent. And he's also got the highest quarterback rating. No interceptions yet. What you've got on the field and believe that things are going to be okay and the Chiefs can try to keep up this high level of success. So that's your injury report from Wednesday. We'll see how things are Thursday and Friday. I'll, I'll, I'll post updates for Arzine 21. Uh, the toughest part about this podcast is doing it early, uh, recording it Wednesday. Check it out before kickoff on Sundays or Mondays. And by the way, speaking of, especially with the timing of the way things have gone for the Chiefs lately, being on primetime or having 325 kickoffs. The Chiefs do have a quick turnaround this week. They're going to be playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, that, that game will end roughly around 6 or 7 o'clock. I'll do a podcast right after that. So Monday morning, expect a podcast to come out. It'll be the first time in a while we've had a podcast be available on a Monday morning. So that's good news. Uh, but after that, it's a short turnaround. The Chiefs are going to be playing the Raiders. So uh, we're also going to have our preview podcast Tuesday morning, so expect that as well very early on uh, that week. So we'll have the recap of the Chiefs and Steelers game on Monday and then the preview for the Chiefs and Raiders on Tuesday. And then when the Chiefs and Raiders play, I'll actually uh, be able to record a podcast right after the game. So Friday morning, expect a recap podcast, and then uh, I can step away from uh, doing a podcast for uh, for a few days, which will be nice. It's kind of nice to take a break from that. That's the good part about uh, this Thursday night game coming up. So expect that. That's going to be the uh, schedule for next week. So Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. A lot of episodes of the Chiefs on podcast. Uh, I may end up cutting certain segments next week just uh, due to length and to make sure that everyone can have enough time to listen to everything that uh, they can get on the podcast before and after these games that are going to take place next week. Joining us right now here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast, he is a friend of the podcast. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, He and I go way back, starting with the TSS website, thesportstuff.com. That is where he and I both started podcasting. He is the former host of the Steel Pit Podcast, the Pittsburgh Steelers Podcast, and now doing media work in South Florida. Joining us right now, Max Shepman. Here on the Chiefs on Podcast. Max, how's it going, man? Welcome back. Good, buddy, man. You talk about TSS, man. It feels uh, feels like forever ago that we did that. Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny is um, I mentioned this uh, not too long ago with, you know, I mean, with fake news and all these things that come up and, and message boards are still a thing. You, 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 I mean, remember when we had message boards on the TSS website? Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. That was like our, we kind of lived at those things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now it's all on Twitter, of course, but our competitors, you, you of course, remember, um, I got to give a shout out to Dylan Richardson. He did a great job. And when we all jumped over to uh, TSS, there was that other website, you know you know what I'm talking about, My Sports Radio. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Their slogan was bang the boards. Like, who comes up with that? Who came up with that slogan? I have no idea, but I hope whoever came up with that idea, like, got fired immediately. Well, if it's funny because I'm looking at their website right now. It still says Big Ups Barack because in 2008 they shut down their message boards, and that's when Barack Obama got elected. So it still says Big Ups Barack. Like that's how long their message boards have been down. It, they, it says we'll be back soon. I mean, I don't know what you consider soon, like nine years or what? I mean, way to way to stay updated, people. <laughs> Max, you guys can follow him on Twitter, Mad Max One Zero Six Three. Uh, he's with ESPN 106.3 in uh, West Palm and also with uh, WPTV and w- WFLX Fox. So anyway, you're, you're, you're working everywhere. I, I know you're in the South Florida area. Just kind of give us an update. I mean, how are you doing with uh, with the weather, the, the hurricane? You're there for Hurricane Irma and all. I mean, how's the city doing? How are you doing personally with all that? Well, everything's good, man. Um, you know, again, you know, we kind of dodged the bullet the second year in a row down here. You know, last year we had Hurricane or, or, uh, Hurricane Matthew that was, was supposed to be a big, you know, strong storm that would hit us head on. And, uh, you know, that kind of took a shift back to the east a little bit. So, you know, we, we kind of got the outer bands on this one. And then, uh, you know, Hurricane Irma was a Category 5 for, I believe it was like the longest time in, like weather history for a category five storm to, to stay at cat five. And, uh, you know, really kind of shifted away from, you know, Port and Lucy where I live. So again, kind of dodged the bullet Didn't didn't have any damage to the house. Uh, lost power for about like three or four days, but, uh, was lucky enough to stay at a friend's, uh, friend's house. So they had power and, uh, we made it out well. 
That's good. That's good. I'm happy to hear all that. Uh, are you? Do you uh, follow NFL memes on Facebook? That might be the best uh, Facebook page. They even have a Twitter too, which is great too. Uh, it might be the best page of all time because I don't know how many times, uh, you know, on a daily basis, well, I'll probably just go on their page and find something and, and literally just LOL myself. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to put it. You know what's funny is um, they, uh, they, I mean, with all the hurricane drama that was going on with Hurricane Harvey and then Hurricane Irma uh, came up, um, I, I'm sure you're familiar very well with Robert Aguayo, the uh, former kicker of the Bucks. Um, they they were suggesting on NFL memes that every hurricane should be called uh, Hurricane Aguayo. That way, it misses every part of the United States possible. I dude, I saw that one and I couldn't stop laughing. I was literally crying because <laughs> just because I don't know who comes up with this stuff, but man, like it, the creativity that people have these days to come up with things like this. I mean. I mean, it's just amazing, and and shout out you know to NFL memes for being free and uh, you know for coming up for great content like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I I've always I've tried to like make memes to see if it would make it on NFL memes, but it never did. So uh, I quit doing that after a while. But oh yeah, uh, there was also, there was also a good one too. Uh, um, you know, in the Bucks Patriots game where you know Nick Folk uh, missed a few field goals, they uh, you know. They had the meme of, you know, too bad the NFL can't make, like, the left goalpost lean a little bit so Nick Folk can make all the field goals. Oh, I saw that. I saw that. And then I saw one uh, of, like, a screenshot of Madden where, like, how he's aiming wide left completely. I mean, that, that was just hilarious. Uh, I, and our penalty flag, so I'm going to throw a flag at uh, Nick Folk for missing those three field goals. I mean, I, people always say, oh, a team should be this and that. They only talk about the negatives, but they don't talk about the positives either. Uh, but, but I mean, that was just a, an atrocious game for, for the Bucks the way they lost to the Patriots in that one. I mean, I mean kickers, man. Hey, people forget about that quite a bit. But, uh, I mean, as far as the Steelers and Chiefs go, let's get into that. Uh, things haven't been so hot for the Steelers lately. I mean, three and two, not a horrible record. It could be worse. Uh, the Steelers are leading their division right now, as are the Chiefs. Uh, but it hasn't been very pretty lately. And you, we saw what happened a couple of weeks ago with Antonio Brown kind of going off on the sidelines during that Gatorade bucket. And then last week, uh, I don't even know what to make of this. I'm sure you've got thoughts on that. Ben Roethlisberger throwing five interceptions against the Jaguars, which... Essentially, Roethlisberger was the key player for the Jaguars when he threw those five interceptions. What is your takeaway from the Steelers in the last two weeks? I really feel that they're struggling to find themselves, to be honest. I mean, you know, coming into this year, you know, you, the entire, you know, Ben, Antonio, Le'Veon, you know, they wanted, you know, they wanted to put up 30 points a game and, you know, be, be the NFL's best offense. And, I mean, even from the beginning of the year, man, it, it really hasn't looked like it. It looks like everybody's at a sink. I mean, everybody was worried about, you know, Le'Veon being a little rusty because obviously the holdout with the franchise tag, him wanting a long-term contract. And and to be honest, it's actually the guys that were actually in camp, you know, guys like Ben, Antonio, Martavis, Bryant, who's coming back off a, a year-long suspension. And it seems like the entire passing game and – to be honest, just the entire offense is out of sync. I mean, you even look at the offensive line, you know, the Steelers are supposed to have one of the best offensive lines uh, in the NFL, and, and to be honest, they haven't played up to par uh, from what their standards are. I mean, granted, you know, they're, they've been with, uh, out there, you know, starting tackle Marcus Gilbert for a, couple, for a couple games due to a hamstring injury, but, you know, they have very, you know, capable backups. I mean, people talk about it all the time, you know, they, they're lying five, six players deep that, you know, you can kind of just plug and play, and and really, really not lose any, you know, drop off with production. But uh, I mean, again, it, it just seems like this whole team's out of sync. And you brought up the Antonio Brown stuff. I mean, when I first saw it, I, I didn't think it was a big deal. You know, just a guy that was frustrated. Uh, you know, if you look at the replay from the overhead, guy that was wide open. If Ben would have hit him, it would have been an easy walk and touchdown. Uh, and you know, a couple days later. It, seemed like everything, you know, would cool off. People, you know, would forget about it. And then you had Ben Roethlisberger go on his uh, his radio show up in Pittsburgh and, and kind of almost really kind of call out AB for, for those kind of antics. So, you know, the Steelers have been in the news for a lot of reasons and a lot of reasons that maybe a lot of us didn't think, you know, would be for, you know, 
in case, you know, Antonio Brown, you know, is he a distraction? And, and then obviously in the Chicago game, the whole uh, national anthem protest thing that kind of blew up, uh, blew up in, in the Steelers' face on how they handled that situation. So uh, a lot of, I guess, uh, again, I, I don't, a lot of outside distraction, I guess, if you want to call it. So it's kind of been interesting to see how everything has unfolded five weeks in. Yeah, I almost forgot about the protest part, too, uh, with the offensive line. Remind me his name again. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember hearing all of that, and then when the press conference, he didn't. It's, it's just, it just hasn't been a, a good season PR-wise for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I, I do want to go back to the Antonio Brown situation, because I saw Todd Haley, who was trying to be like the voice of reason, and I think as Chiefs fans, that looked a little shocking, because when Todd Haley was hired by the Chiefs as, to be the head coach at the time, they constantly replayed him going off on Anquan Bolden when those two were with the Arizona Cardinals. That's, of course, when Todd Haley was the offensive coordinator. They went to the Super Bowl the year Kurt Warner was the quarterback, and they had Steve Breston, Larry Fitzgerald, just one of the best uh, group of pass catchers on a single team in a single season. Uh, and there were plenty of blow-ups blow between Haley and whoever in Kansas City. He seems like he's kind of been like the voice of reason kind of more sane in Pittsburgh I think we always we still have that negative feeling that that negative hatred uh towards Tyler not that there's positive hatred but you know what I mean by that I mean so many so many negative thoughts because of what happened here in Kansas City I know I've asked this before but I want to ask again what is the concept the the point of view of Todd Haley in Pittsburgh well, you know, I mean, you just brought up all those mentions in Arizona and Kansas City. I mean, it really seems like, you know, he's really kind of mellowed out here in Pittsburgh. And I'm not sure if that's just because, you know, he's kind of, you know, he's the OC here and, you know, he's not the head coach. And uh, I don't know if he feels, you know, it's not his, his place to kind of blow up at somebody here in Pittsburgh or uh, or whatever. I mean, you know, schematically, you know, when – a lot of people were skeptical when Todd Haley, you know, first took over. Of course, obviously, everybody wanted Bruce Arians to stick around, you know, because that was Ben's guy. But you kind of look at it, and for as much as Todd Haley has helped, you know, a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, where you know Todd Haley has that kind of that West Coast offense, uh, you know, dink and dunk screen plays, and you know, every now and then you you'll go for the deep bomb. Uh, if you look at this year, you know, specifically, he's really underachieved with this offense. And, you know, somebody kind of brought this up to me as well. You know, I feel like Todd Haley sometimes tries to outsmart himself. I feel like he tries to get too too creative with things in, in play calling. And one of the things that I, you know, noticed last game against Jaguars, it was, it was first and goal from the five. I believe the Steelers were that, uh, up nine. Nine seven, yeah, nine seven. First and goal from the five, and they run, you know, three straight passing plays at the five yard line. And I mean, you have the, you know, my opinion, the best running back in the NFL, and you don't decide to hand him the ball. I mean, at least on first down. I mean, if you're inside, you know, the five yard line, it's first and goal. I mean, I feel like you kind of have to run the ball there because you know, I mean, if you if you throw an incompletion on first down, you know, that sets up you know, for sure passing plays on second and third third and goal, and that, you know, that plays in the defense hands. So I think, uh, especially, again, with this year with, with the Steelers and how, you know, they're only averaging barely 20 points a game, which is, you know, 21st in the National Football League, I think kind of people in Pittsburgh might starting to be turned, you know, the tide with Todd Haley here. And, uh, and unless things, you know, start to improve with, you know, play calling. And, I mean, obviously it's not all Todd Haley's fault. You know, you can't blame all those five interceptions from Ben Roethlisberger on, on Todd Haley. But uh, unless he kind of figures a way to get this offense back on track with, with the, talent that they have, the talent that they have, you know, it, it could be an ugly, ugly scene for him here. What do you make of Ben Roethlisberger's comments when he said he didn't have it anymore? After throwing five picks against the Jaguars, it was that was he being sarcastic? Was he just trying to be a little joyful? Was he trying to be at least a little jovial after a really bad game like that? What, what did you make of that comment? Well, when I when I saw it, I think 
with something like that, you kind of have to see to see the interview. I mean, obviously, you know, he, he was upset. He threw five interceptions. They lost the game. Uh, and you could just tell by the body language of him, you know, I, I, he was just being sarcastic. I mean, I don't think, I don't think he, he, you know, means something like that. I think he's also a guy that, you know, he, he's not on social media, but I'm sure he hears what, you know, hears and reads, you know, what outsiders have to say and, you know, even people, uh, in the media, you know, hey, Ben doesn't have it. Maybe it's time for him to retire. And, and I think, you know, with a loss like that, you know, it kind of got to him a little bit and, you know, just, just him kind of, I guess, telling the, you know, the doubters, like, no, I don't have it, blah, 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 and, and in a sarcastic way. And, you, you know, you saw with uh, media availability, you know, this week, you know, he, he, day after, you know, he comes out and says, no, I'm, you know, I'm still one of the best uh, in the National Football League in the world to, to do my craft here. So uh, with those comments, I didn't really buy much into it. I think it was just a sarcastic, you know, hey, I'm pissed off that we lost the game and, and uh, just that situation. I want to get into the offense for both teams, really. Uh, I mean, I, I, I will get to the defense uh, it, it, because this has the potential to be a high-scoring game. It really does. You have Ben Roethlisberger, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and not just this year, but for years. Alex Smith, who is playing lights out. He's got the best quarterback rating and the best completion percentage, in addition to all of a sudden throwing all these deep passes out of nowhere. Uh, so he's having the season of his life. You've got Le'Veon Bell and Kareem Hunt, who are in the top five in rushing. Antonio Brown in the top five in receiving. Uh, you've got uh, Tyreek Hill and uh, Travis Kelsey, who are, if, if I'm not mistaken, 11th or, or 12th and 13th in receiving yards. I mean, you've got talented playmakers all across the offense. Just going to read a couple of the Steelers numbers because I know a lot of the listeners maybe not as familiar. Le'Veon Bell, fifth in the league in rushing with 371. Antonio Brown, first in receiving with 545. So, I mean, we've got talented playmakers on both offenses here. Do you anticipate this being some sort of a, a shootout between Pittsburgh and Kansas City? Well, you kind of look at it there and, I mean... I guess it all just depends on if the offense gets in sync here. I mean, if both offenses are clicking like they should be, this could easily be a uh, a 35, 40-point game with, you know, the last team whoever has the ball last wins. Um, I mean, you brought up the Steelers' numbers with Le'Veon and Antonio Brown. It's kind of, you know, amazing what numbers those have, guys, and, and the offense has, has struggled to produce points. And one of the big things, you know, with the Steelers offense that has, you know, hasn't been good for them as well as their red zone offense. I mean, they've really struggled to, to punch the ball in the end zone and really had to, to kind of settle for field goals. And I mean, you know, in a game like Jacksonville, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to put the ball in the end zone. So I think the Steelers, you know, if they can get their red zone, um, you know, opportunities fixed and if they can get this offense and think, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, with with the speed, especially with the Kansas City Chiefs have, I mean, Tyreek Hill can blow off the top of the defense. I mean, obviously, Travis Kelsey is, is kind of a question mark heading into this game because he's in concussion protocol. But, man, uh, you look on both sides of the ball. There's talent, there's talent enough to, uh, to keep the scoreboard operator pretty busy in this one. Yeah, and I'm looking at the Steelers' defense, and not very good when it comes to stopping the run, and I think that's an opportunity for Kareem Hunt to do his thing. He's more of a second-half guy, and I think Nick Wright, who used to do radio in Kansas City, uh, he's now with Fox Sports 1, and he mentioned that if Kareem Hunt, if you just included his second-half rushing stats, he would still lead the league in rushing. I mean, there's a big gap between first place and second place in the NFL on rushing by, by a wide margin. Uh, how, from a Steelers standpoint, what do you see in Kareem Hunt, and how do the Steelers at least try to stop him? That's a good question. I mean, I thought last week, you know, the, the Steelers did pretty well bottling up Leonard Fournette. I mean, before his, his you know, 90-yard touchdown run, I mean, he had 27 carries for 80-something yards, which, you know, which was pretty good. But, you know, you look at Kareem Hunt, I mean, he's a lot different than, you know, a guy like Leonard Fournette. I mean, he can really bounce it outside, and he's got, he's got that breakaway speed where, you know, once he gets that second level, I mean, good luck trying to catch him. Um, and I think one of the big X factors in, in that aspect of it is going to be Ryan Shazier, you know, the Steelers' middle linebacker, 
Uh, obviously, his athleticism and really the I guess kind of the Steelers live and die with how he plays. I mean, there's been times where if you look at the Chicago game, you know, he was really, uh, really over aggressive. You know, missing gaps, and you know that opened up the way for for guys like Jordan Howard. And, and if that's kind of the same case with KC, you know, Kareem Hunt, uh, you know, he could be in for a field day. And, and I mean, when was the last time we talked about the Steelers being terrible at stopping the run, but yet having one of the top three uh, defenses against the pass? Uh, yeah, it's been a while since that's ever happened. So, uh, and especially, you know, with the Chiefs, they like to run, you know, you know, fake, uh, you know, read pass options, you know, fake the option, uh, you know, with Tyreek Hill on a jet sweep. So, uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how the Steelers defense kind of, kind of handles all that. And, and again, if, if, if the Steelers are not up to the task, I mean, Kareem Hunt, the way he's been playing, I mean, uh, he, he could have a field day here. Yeah, and I feel like Houston kind of did a good job of not necessarily allowing big gains from that because Kansas City didn't do very good on offense either. They had to rely on their new uh, kicker, Harrison Butker, to come through, which he did a great job with. Uh, But, man, I mean, that Steelers team, uh, I I think when you look at their defense, yes, a great pass defense, but not a great rush defense, which is kind of weird. I I think I remember this with the Minnesota Vikings uh, on offense and defensively. They were great when it came to the rushing game, but horrible in the passing game, again, on both sides of the football. Uh, I mean, so that itself was kind of interesting to see how they were trying to operate. And eventually they got through when they added guys like Jared Allen from Kansas City and Brett Favre. Uh, but, man, with this Steelers team, defensively, you mentioned Chase Year, who's fourth in the league in tackles with 45, also has a pair of picks and two forced fumbles to go with his impressive season. There's no big standout when it comes to pass rushers, but you've got Cameron Hayward, the defensive end and linebackers, Anthony Chiquillo, and TJ Watt. And, by the way, this is the second week in a row uh, the Chiefs are going to be playing somebody from the Watt family. Unfortunately, J.J. Uh, Watt last year went down with that big injury. Uh, but man, uh, the guys I just mentioned, Hayward, Keo, and Watt, each have three sacks on the season. There's no guy that's like the clear-cut number one sack artist on the Steelers, but there are a couple of guys who are able to con- contribute, and with Kansas City's offensive line banged up a little bit, uh, this kind of has the makings to give Alex Smith some problems, maybe force him to throw an interception for the first time this year. I thought it was going to happen last week, but due to the injuries, he was able to avoid that and not let that happen. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he threw a pick in this game. Uh, what do you think about Alex Smith this season and what the Steelers could do to try to give him some trouble? Well, like you brought it up, man, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, especially with T.J. Watt, I don't think anybody really thought, you know, he would be as productive as he is. And, you know, with him kind of taking over, you know, that outside linebacker spot next to Anthony uh, Chicolo, I mean, that, you know, it's kind of put a damper on James Harrison, who's been, uh, inactive, just a healthy scratch for the past couple games. So I think I, you know, Cam Hayward is, you know, a very, a very good pass rusher. You have Stephon to it on the, on the end of it. And you match those guys up with a guy like TJ Watt with, um, Anthony Chicolo. And, you know, you bring a guy like Mike Hilton off the side, uh, on corner blitz, you know, that can pose some problems. But, you know, you brought up that pass defense. You know, one thing, you know, you can look at the numbers and be awed by it, but, you know, one thing I, I, you know, I hear, you know, Steelers fans just tend to forget is they really haven't played any good quarterbacks. I mean, you look at who they played. You know, a guy like uh, Deshaun Kaiser, rookie, and then you, you know, you play like a guy like Mike Glennon, who, who, who's absolutely terrible. I mean, Joe Flacco, who's, you know, having a terrible season. Really, to be fair, the best quarterback that they've faced is Case Keen, Case Keenum of the Vikings. I mean. And that says a lot considering, you know, the guys who have played. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, a guy like Alex Smith who has the experience and who, you know, is a veteran quarterback who knows what he's doing. And he's not a guy like, you know, Keith Keenum, Mike Lennon, you know, guys who are absolutely terrible. So it's going to be interesting to see how this defense, you know, holds up. And I don't think, you know, guys like Artie Burns and and, uh, Joe Hayden, you know, the cornerbacks and, and the safeties have really been tested that much. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, you know, if the rush doesn't get Alex Smith in time, how that defense holds up considering uh, the weapons that they have on the outside and how well, you know, Alex Smith's been tearing up the lead so far. Well, let's switch to the other side with Pittsburgh being on offense and Kansas City on defense. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, I think these two offenses are very similar. They've got great playmakers from under center, and then with all these skill positions out there, right, running back, wide receiver. Uh, I, we haven't mentioned this guy's name yet, but rookie uh, wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster, he ties second uh, among all NFL rookies with a pair of touchdown catches. So he's gotten off to kind of a nice start uh, during his time in Pittsburgh. So uh, l- looking at... Kansas City's defense, too, and, you know, they, they've lost Eric Berry, which is a very tough loss for them. Justin Houston, who, again, also a question mark going into this game, will learn more on Thursday and Friday when we see the injury reports and whether or not they, um, they're going to be participating in practice. But the Chiefs, even with all the injuries they've gone through, they, they always have this bend-don't-break style of, of defense. And we saw that last year against the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs. What do you make of this matchup, the Steelers' offense against Kansas City's defense? Well, I, I know it's kind of an old saying, but it's just it's just a matter of if these guys can get in sync. I mean, if you look at the past, uh, you know, two times, you know, these two teams played uh, each other, one in the regular season, one one in the regular season, one in the postseason. You know, uh, the Steelers were kind of able to dictate, you know, the the offensive side of the ball just because how well Le'Veon Bell is running. Uh, you know, even when, you know, Kansas City would stack the box, you know, Le'Veon would easily get six, six, seven yards of carry, uh, you know, on first down, second down, and, you know, making a manageable situation. So, uh, I think, I think in a game like this, I think with Le'Veon not being happy with him only getting, you know, 15 touches against, uh, the worst rushing defense in the NFL against the Jaguars, I think, I think Todd Haley really needs to go back to to getting Le'Veon, you know, the ball and getting him in sync because you know as he goes right now, the, the Steelers' offense will go because obviously again, uh, Ben struggling to find his rhythm. I I'm not sure you know if this is the game he'll turn it around. I mean, obviously Antonio Brown's been your consistent, most consistent offensive guy, and you got you brought up a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, the rookie. Uh, you know, the Steelers really like him because, you know, he's not afraid to go over the middle, make the tough catches. And, and you know, a lot of people kind of compare his place to Heinz Ward, which which obviously the Steelers have missed with a guy, you know, with Antonio Brown. And, um, you know, just the, all the explosive explosiveness he brings. Uh, but, you know, they need a guy like that to go over the middle and, you know, be a possess, possession receiver. So, uh, it's going to be interesting again to see how this offense kind of really rebounds after you know a, a spanking against the Jaguars defense. Who again, you know, granted has one of the top uh, passing defenses in the league, but uh, you know one of the worst de- run defenses in the league, and and you know not really able to take advantage of that. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, you know how the Steelers attack the Chiefs front seven. Max Sheppen of ESPN 106.3 West Palm here with us and also with WPTV and WFLX and uh, South Florida. Uh, a couple of questions left with you, Max. Uh, just kind of the – well, first of all, let me go over this. I always bring this up, the turnover differential. Kansas City has only committed one giveaway this year, and that was the very first offensive play uh, of their season, which was on Thursday night against the Patriots. And that was that uh, fumble on Kareem Hunt's first carry since then. Uh, I mean, he has just put that in the rearview mirror and has done a great job. Pittsburgh is at a minus one with their turnover differential, and I, a part of that has to do with the five picks that Roethlisberger threw. So they were high, a little higher uh, than a minus one right now. Um, so that is a little misleading. We'll see if that happens again. Maybe that does end up being a fair representation of how Pittsburgh looks when it comes to taking care of the football. So the minus one, yeah, it doesn't look good, but I, I think that's also a little misleading because it was just one bad game. Everyone's entitled to have a really bad game every now and then, no matter how good you are. But, uh, I mean, this is a, a team that we mentioned the PR problems. Uh, yes, they've got great guys on the field, but coming off a very horrible loss and generally with elite players like Roethlisberger, they tend to bounce back the following week. But the Steelers are playing the best team in the NFL uh, in the Chiefs, who are 5-0, and what's the confidence level like for the Steelers going into this game? Well, you know, when you when you look at a big game like this, you know, playing an undefeated team, you know, it, it always seems like, you know, the Steelers always show up for a game like this. Uh, when you face a Bears or a Jaguars team that, you know, where the Steelers are expected to win, uh, you know, they always seem to lay an egg somewhere. So um, I'm not sure if that's just, preparation or you know it's kind of also been like a key of Mike Tomlin to 
to not be able to win those games that they're supposed to win. So I would think heading into this game, I think there's been some serious, you know, soul searching and, uh, you know, I guess kind of responsibility taken on this team, you know, how poorly they've played uh, so far and not really matching up to, to fan and media expectations of, of them being, you know, an absolute contender, uh, you know, for the AFC Super Bowl uh, side of things. So I think this is going to be a game where, you know, the team actually, you know, really shows up and, pl- and plays a very well game. Uh, I, again, I, you know, with a game like this where, where the stakes are so high, you know, you, the Steelers don't have a problem on showing up. So uh, I think for the team, I think the confidence should be pretty high. As a fan, uh, you know, talking to a few people, you know, you have 50-50, you know. Some people are like, oh, yeah, you know, this could be a game you really – really turns around the season if we can come with a win or or you look at you know a couple other people say yeah we're probably going to get crushed in this game and you know this could this could maybe be a dagger in, in a you know the Steelers season you know six weeks in so but for me personally I think I think you know this is a game the team shows up for and it is worth noting that last year when the Chiefs and Steelers played in the regular season not the playoff game the regular season Tyreek Hill did take a I think it was a kick return or a punt return. I can't remember which one it was. He took a touchdown all the way back, but it was brought back because of a holding penalty, uh, which sucked because Tyreek Hill had the same thing happen in week two of last year. So twice in the first four games, he had touchdowns on special teams called back. And then in the postseason game, uh, I mean, Pittsburgh did an outstanding job just making Tyreek Hill a non-factor and not letting him make any plays on special teams because everyone knew how dangerous he was in the last four regular season games, having touchdown plays of more than 50 yards, but even more than 60 yards uh, just going off. So uh, it is kind of interesting. I know we don't talk special teams a whole lot, um, and it, it, it is a head and gym. I mean, look, we, we were joking about it earlier with Nick Folk, but, uh, I mean, man, th- this is another factor where I-, I think a lot of times as fans we don't look at so much. But uh, Pittsburgh's got to be very careful with this and try to make sure that they don't allow a big play because that could essentially be a difference maker in this game. No, absolutely. And if you're Danny Smith, the special teams you know, coordinator of the Steelers, you make sure he does not get his hands on a punt or a kick return because uh, you brought it up, man. One you know, one swing of emotion with him, and he can take it to the house uh, with no question. And, I mean, if, if you're going to punt it to him, make sure, you know, you get a lot of hang time or, you just, you know, squid punt it to the sidelines. But, uh, I mean, obviously the, the Chiefs had the edge in, in special teams, obviously, which is Tyreek, you know, Hill himself. Uh, so, again, I mean, if you're a Steelers fan, you don't want to see him even get near uh, the ball on special teams because again, you know, he can he can be a difference maker and and again with one swing he could take to the house and and change the complex of a game uh, just like that. All right, I know we always disagree on this, so I don't know what I what I'm going to expect from you on this one, given the situation the Steelers are in and given Kansas City's records. So uh, I'll go ahead and ask it. Uh, maybe I might be in for a surprise. Who knows? But what is your score prediction for this game? Who comes out alive? Well, like I said, man, I think I think this is game. You know, the Steelers show up. I think they, you know, kind of get back on track with the offense. But uh, you know, I'm actually going to agree with you for uh, for once uh, in the amount of years that we've done this, man. I think uh, I think Kansas City is just on a roll right now. Uh, again, you know, I think the Steelers have their struggles, and I don't know if this is the game that they're going to turn it around, considering how well uh, Kansas City is playing right now. So uh, I'm going to take Kansas City with the win, uh, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be, hmm, I, I think I'm going to go 28, I'm going to go 28-21 Kansas City. See, see, I'm going to go a little higher than that. I, I, Kansas City, the highest scoring team in the league right now. I, I mean, they've just done a tremendous job. I'm going to go 38-35. I, I think Pittsburgh's going to, exploit some holes on this Kansas City defense, but I think only a team like the Steelers are capable of it because of who they have across the board. But I think the biggest difference at the end of the day, I think it's going to be Kareem Hunt. I mean, this guy leads the league in scrimmage yards with 775. That doesn't include the rushing yards that we've we've been talking about that he leads the league in by a wide margin. And I think he's just, he's just going to have 
that second half takeover that he just, for some reason, he always just dominates that half. And I think maybe it's a stamina thing where he does a better job of not getting as tired. And defenses get tired very easily, especially when they're allowing so many yards. They just get gassed. The confidence is derailed a little bit. And I think at that point, that that's something that could really hurt Pittsburgh's defense. So I think that's going to be the biggest difference maker in this one. So I'm going to go 38-35, Kansas City winning this one. So so for the first time ever, and all the like as you said, all the years we've done this podcasting, you know, we, we've been on each other's shows, uh, or at least when you had your show, the Steel Pit Podcast, we're agreeing for once. Yeah, uh, if I were you, I'd probably mark this down in the calendar because I don't think it's going to happen too often. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, it's a special day for, for you and the Kansas City fans, man, uh, agreeing with the, with the Chiefs getting the dub. So uh, it's a special day. It's a special day for you, and I guess it's a special day for me for, uh, are you, for going against the grain on this one. Are you aware that when we had you on the podcast, the Chiefs, ever since we had you on the podcast, and I'm not kidding, the Chiefs have won 26 of their last 30 regular season games. That's the best. The Chiefs were 1-5, and and I can't remember the quarterback for the life of me. Uh, I know Roethlisberger was injured, and I know Mike Vick, if I'm not mistaken, was on the team, was injured. Uh, was it Landry Jones who was on the team at the time? Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah see, see, the, see, the, the, the greatest backup quarterback of all time, Landry Jones. And no, uh, I, if people, I, well, if people take that series, don't because well, he's probably the worst backup quarterback of all time. So, well, hold on, hold on. I just realized we actually agreed on that game, but uh, because we both thought Pittsburgh was going to win, that's when Kansas City was one and five, and there was nothing to look forward to in that Chiefs for the Chiefs that season because of the way they started. But that's when they won on the church. Point being, ever since we had you on the podcast that time, Kansas City's gone. 20, uh, to win 26 of their 30 games. So I think you could be the good luck charm. I, I might be, man. Somebody's going to have to, like, you know, give me a medal or something, you know, something, because obviously, apparently, you know, when I've been on the show, I've been good luck. So, uh, you know, maybe send some fan mail my way for uh, for some Chiefs fans there. Yeah, I don't think anyone would agree with you after what happened in that playoff game last year. Uh, but I, I do want to ask you one other yeah, yeah, I do want to ask you one other thing. Uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo are calling this game. I'm personally excited because this is going to be Tony Romo's first game. Uh, I know they have already uh, locked him to call the Chiefs and Cowboys game, but I think they're going to do that anyway because of Kansas City's record and considering the Cowboys are America's team and they always have a, a lot of ratings for their games. Uh, shouldn't Tony Romo be like a defensive coordinator right now considering how he knows what's about to happen every single time? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I, he hasn't done a Steelers game yet, but, man, is it fun to, like, listen to him call the this exact play that the offense is going to run and then uh, the offense executes it. I've, you know, I've seen, you know, some people on Twitter like, oh, Tony Roma needs to stop doing that. He's spoiling, you know, the game, whatever. Like, like F off, people. Like, let Tony <laughs> Romo do his thing because he's been outstanding so far. I mean, very underrated. You know, a lot of people question, like, oh, is he going to be good? But, man, just kind of having that insight of what he brings to the broadcast booth and what he knows is going to happen uh, and how it's going to happen has been amazing. So I'm really looking forward to, uh, to Tony Romo getting this one done. Yeah, I mean, hands down, like, I've said this on the podcast before, and I'll say it to you. I mean, he is hands down the best color announcer I have ever seen. Like, that—that that is what you are supposed to get. I mean, there are so many color announcers who forget certain rules. Or I, I remember once the Chiefs were down by four points, and I think it was Steve Tasker who was suggesting the Chiefs kick a field goal right now when, obviously, a field goal is only worth three points. And it's just Tony Romo doesn't forget these kinds of things, and he's always just thinking all angles on everything. And it's funny because I think it was that first game, the, the Raiders and Titans game, where he's looking at Nance and he goes, I bet you five bucks is going to be a run to the left. And <laughs> during Nance's call, he goes, all right, well, I'm about to give you the five bucks. And here's the big run, by the way, to the left. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, what's great, too, is like, you know, the emotion that he brings into it. Well, it's it's not kind of just like a dull, like, okay, quarterback, you know, right? Oh, yeah. Like, he brings yeah. the energy. And, and what's great, too, is like, if it's like a two-minute offense or, or something like that, and there's a big completion, and he's practically yelling at the TV, he's like, "Oh, why doesn't this? Why doesn't this coach call timeout now? Call your timeout! Call your timeout!" And you know, I think that brings a lot of fun and, and you know personality to, to broadcasting, not just you know kind of the oh you know long touchdown run whatever. So 
I think it's been good for for CBS and you know for sports fans in general to to kind of have a guy like that 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 knows what he's talking about, but also brings the passion with it as well. Yeah, and I know being a former cowboy, just the way he came to the scene, he got a lot of attention. And then when he choked with that um, with that field goal hold, I forgot who that was even against. I, I want to say the Seahawks. Oh yeah, okay, that's what I was gonna say. The Seahawks. Um, I mean, he's gotten so much flack from like he could never grow out of that. Uh, so I hope people appreciate him for what he's doing now because he really is the best uh, at what he does in uh, in calling football games as a color announcer. Hands down. I mean, I don't know what's like. Seriously, like I, I said this before, teams need to be calling him to be a defensive coordinator because honestly, if he's able to know what's happening. You've got to get him on your defensive coaching staff. Like you just have to. I've never seen a former offensive player coach the other side of the ball, and same thing, vice versa. But if it hasn't happened before, it needs to happen now with Tony Romo. It just has to. No, it's, it's amazing. And again, the knowledge that he brings makes me smarter. You know, you think you know Joe Schmo's like, oh yeah, I know, I know this, I already know what's going to happen, and then Tony Romo proves you wrong. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. So. Uh, again, the knowledge that he brings really makes it fun to, to be a fan and uh, you know just watch it on TV and kind of just soak it all in uh, how these things unfold. All right, Max. Uh, thanks for coming on. Oh, yeah, let me redo that. Max Shetman here on the Chief Zone Podcast. Follow him on Twitter, MadMax1063. Uh, if you are in the South Florida area, check his workout on ESPN 106.3 West Palm, also on WPTV News and WFLX in South Florida. So he's all over the place in South Florida. Max, appreciate you coming on. And again, I'm glad you're doing okay. And, you know, South Florida is doing just fine after Hurricane Irma. Glad to hear you are all safe. Uh, and again, appreciate you coming on the podcast. I, who knows? At this point, uh, maybe it'll be like last year where we have you back on again. For the postseason, but nonetheless, I'm sure we'll have you on back again. Big thanks for coming on the podcast. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Always, man. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, hopefully, I'm wrong with my pick, but we'll see how that goes. Now, there he goes, Max Shetman. Thanks again for coming on, Max. Max Shetman. There he goes here on the Chief Zone podcast. Uh, good stuff from Max, as always. Does a great job breaking down games, uh, and, and he did a great job last year too with that postseason game. I know uh, he, he called some things that did end up happening in that game. And, uh, you know, we'll see how things turn out here. But Max, uh, nonetheless, uh, one of the best. He had one of the best uh, ratings, uh, actually the best ratings on the TSS website with his uh, Steelers podcast. So uh, the numbers are out there. Numbers certainly do not lie. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. All right, so I guess I've got to admit some mistakes. Now that we're about four or five weeks into the season, this is when you generally know who's good, who's bad. Not a lot of surprises. I'm sure the 5-0 start is uh, for Kansas City is a surprise to a lot of people, being the only undefeated team, uh, being the last team to fall this season. Not a lot of people probably thought that Kansas City would have done so, even people here in Kansas City. But a team that I thought was going to com- compete for a top five drafting, maybe even the number one overall pick, the St. Louis Rams. They've been playing some really good football this season. They're 3-2 and two on the season. I didn't even think they'd win three games this year, but... They've been on a roll. I mean, look, the, the the NFC West isn't the greatest division either. So I think that's been a part in allowing the Rams to do a good job so far this season. And they're going to be playing a Jacksonville Jaguars team that's also 3-2. and two. So two teams that maybe we didn't have high expectations for. Probably the two biggest surprises in the NFL this season. The Jaguars for the AFC and the Rams for the NFC. So... Uh, I wish, uh, this is a 305 kickoff. I wish it was not on at the same time as the Chiefs because this is a game I would have loved to uh, to catch and pay attention to. But uh, I, I'll have to check it out occasionally on uh, on my smartphone with the, uh, the uh, Sunday ticket app because, uh, the, I mean, this is a really intriguing game. I mean, these are two teams that just have... Have rose to the expectation. I mean, they, they, they've they've been the, the fish out of water team so far this season. I'll tell you another interesting matchup. Both teams also three and two going head to head. The Patriots and the New York Jets. The New York Jets, another team I thought that was going to be horrible this season. A lot of Jets fans wanted to tank. T a n k tank tank tank. That's what Jets fans wanted this year. They're not getting it. They're not going to be getting it this year. So uh, look, if the Jets win this game. The Pats obviously fall to 3-3, and and they'll fall to third place in the division. So, 
this, crazy how things have changed so much this season with the NFL. Uh, the Patriots not doing so hot. The Steelers, well, are still leading their division. But, man, the Patriots of all teams. And speaking of the Patriots, Tom Brady, who has an AC joint sprain on his non-throwing shoulder. Uh, this has been talked about a lot by the media. I mean, look, it's Tom Brady, so he's going to be... They're going to discuss a lot, especially with the record so far this season in the not-so-good year. It could have been easily been a 1-4 record, but hey, what it could have, should have. They're 3-2 and two right now. Brady says he's not worried about the shoulder. says he is fine and is good and will be out there on Sunday to play against the Jets. Look, I know the narrative, what it's going to be if they lose. You know the narrative, what it's going to be if they lose. It's going to be about Brady. Brady wasn't ready. Brady was hurt. That's the excuse you're going to hear from everyone in New England. From fans and sports talk radio there. That, I mean, that's going to be the discussion there. So, this everyone's going to be keeping a close eye on this one, including me. It's always interesting to see the Patriots and how they've been playing so far this year. Not very good football. Uh, like I said, very close, narrow victories against the Texans and and the Bucks. Look, And luck is part of the game. Of course, the Patriots got lucky when Nick Folk missed those field goals, as I discussed with Max. But, man... Uh, that Texans one was also a miracle in the end, uh, getting the ball from Brandon to Brandon Cook. So we'll just see how it goes. And a, and a Jets team that's done better than than expected. I think Jet, the Jets are going to be pumped going into this game against the Patriots. Let's go out of bounds. There's a crazy lady at a gym. And it looks like she was able to reserve all of these treadmills, but she she's using six or seven treadmills to run across while each treadmill is, is in motion. Now, I looked into the story. This is posted by ABC on Facebook, and the caption says, do not try this at home, but I don't know anyone who has six, seven treadmills lined up to try this at home to do. But it turns out she's training for American Ninja Warrior. And in my head, I'm thinking, okay, look. Yeah, I get it. It's American Ninja Warrior, but do you really need all these treadmills? And I thought, okay, look, they do some crazy crap on there. I mean, it, it, it's, it's pretty insane and, and at the same time pretty impressive. I could not do any of those things. So maybe she learned from another American Ninja Warrior contestant that this is the kind of thing that you need to do. Uh, I will say, I remember I was at a gym once. And I hope you people don't do this at all. Otherwise, I hope you lose your gym membership ID and have zero access to your gym ever again. Uh, this is why I'm glad I have a home gym. But I remember uh, just walking uh, at a Lifetime Fitness. Uh, I was done with the, uh, the treadmill I was using and I was going to go lift some weights. There are two guys who are, are standing next to each other on... Uh, I mean, they're, they're running on the treadmills. They're beside each other, and then I hear one of them yell switch, and right in front of me, the guy jumps on and gets to the next treadmill, and they, they basically trade treadmills while jumping off and jumping to onto the other. Look, you're in a public place, man. Don't don't get in people's way. Uh, nobody knows what you're doing at a gym. No one knows whether or not to get in your way or, or, or what you're going to do to jump onto another treadmill. I just think it's ridiculous when people do it at public gyms. Respect the fact that this is not your equipment. It belongs to everyone. Everyone has the right to use that equipment. Uh, I mean, don't be the hogger at the gym. And I also hate guys who put... They they grab three towels and they go on all these different machines and reserve them just so they can quickly uh, go work on one weight machine, then go to another, and then come back to another. This guy uh, left his uh, this machine, so I went to use it. And then he comes back and goes... Hey, I was still using that. I'm like, no, you weren't. You got up and left. That's not how it works in the gym. And look, people have high t- testosterone and get angry and all this stuff. I mean, look, people aren't going to do anything. Get over it. This is not your house. This is a public place. It's a gym. Uh, also, I want to talk about Derek Jeter. Uh, there was this article on ESPN about him working on rebuilding the Florida Marlins. Starting to hire some of his own staff members. Let me just say this. I get it. He had, of course, an illustrious career with the New York Yankees. Uh, one of the bigger names in baseball. Of course, when you think of the number two jersey, you think of him. 
just because he had a successful run at the sport as a player doesn't mean he'll do great as a front office member, as an owner. And I say this because look at Michael Jordan. And he hasn't necessarily been the most successful as as an owner of an NBA team either. So, look, it's just been pretty tough. And I'm not doubting Derek Jeter. I'm just saying, look, don't expect it to work just because he's Derek Jeter. Now, a, a position like John Fox's as the general manager, very rare instance where you see something like that and how it's it's helped Denver win a Super Bowl, essentially. So, uh, Derek Jeter, look, I, I don't know what to think of it. I'm not a big baseball guy. I, I don't really watch the sport a whole lot, but I'm not I'm not going to believe in the Marlins just because Jeter is the owner, part owner of, of the franchise. You've got to show a lot more other than having one of the greatest uh, be part of your front office. There's a lot more to show than that. Let's show some flags. Oh, man. Uh, I don't even know what to say uh, about this. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago on the podcast, but the United States men's national team has failed to reach the World Cup, and therefore they will miss the World Cup for the first time since 1986. Uh, You just don't expect these things with the United States. I mean, the United States, it, it, it seems like a given each time that they'll always make it, but not going to happen in 2018. Uh, not going to happen at all. Uh, it, it's it's heartbreaking, but it's also weird because, look, I mean, you you are the United States of America. I mean, is it... How surprising is it that in a country that's so populated and you cannot find the right 11 to start for you and have a few backups, uh, just how difficult is it? I, I get it. Soccer is not a big popular sport here, but you've surely you can find at least 11 great ones. Uh I don't know. Uh, it's just been tough to kind of see the U.S. soccer team fall apart. I know a lot of people listening don't even care about soccer. Fine. Fair enough. But when I, I think it was the previous World Cup or the World Cup before that in 2010. I think it was 2010 now that I think about it. I could be wrong. But it was either 2010 or 2014. The United States men's national team had a game that started at 5 o'clock in the afternoon in Central Standard Time. And it ended at 7. And it was one of the highest rated sporting events. It actually had more ratings than the BCS championship game that year. So look, maybe we don't care about the names of the players and whatnot. But the actual games, when they represent our country in one of the most competitive worldwide sporting events. People still want to tune into that. And the ratings prove it right there. Just tough to see that the US men's national team is going to miss out on. The upcoming World Cup, but it might one of my favorite sporting events by far, and I really have no interest watching it, especially if the U.S. is not in it. Hey, bad news for Adrian Peterson. Uh, Maybe some say it's a nice change of scenery, but man, uh, being traded to the Arizona Cardinals' brief stint with the New Orleans Saints, look, it it was just not good from the get-go. That Monday Night Football game on on opening week where he was shouting at Sean Payton, it just wasn't good, man. I, I, I think this is the right move for the for the Saints. Definitely have to let him go in this situation. Look, he, he was a backup for a reason, and he's complaining about his playing time, shouting at the coaches, and the cameras catch you there. Just, not, just doesn't look good on you. And it'll be intriguing to see how he does in Arizona. Surely a lot of people are going to follow that uh, as the season goes along. But look, I, I, don't, I think Adrian Peterson, as great as he was for the Vikings in, 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 the, in the NFL... I just don't know if he's got a lot left in the tank. Look at a guy like Jamal Charles, who also did a great job here in Kansas City. He knows his role in Denver. He knows he's not going to be getting a lot of snaps. He knows he's not a down-for-down running back. Not that he ever was, but you just can't have that same expectation. You've got to know your limits. You've got to know that at some point that you know your time's up, and you've got to take a step back and know your role with your team. And Adrian Peterson... He's got a new role now with a new team. We'll see how that goes for him. But I don't think he's going to be playing a whole lot. I don't think he's going to be a be a, uh, a key contributor for the Cardinals, in other words. Look, I, I'm not talking to anyone who's listening to the podcast. Uh, it's more so people who are supposedly no longer football fans. 
If you're going to boycott the NFL, if you're going to let uh, someone else speak for you and decide when to all of a sudden start hating on the NFL, uh, at least learn how to properly boycott something. Let me tell you how not to boycott something. If you really want to boycott the NFL, stop talking about it. And if you see that there are people protesting and sitting for the anthem and you're taking photos of your TV saying, oh, this is why I don't watch football anymore. Well, clearly you are because you talk about it right when it happened. There's a photo of you taking a picture of your TV. Man, I get it. I mean, there's some crazy stuff happening in our world, especially in our country, man. But gosh, uh, people learn what a boycott is before you brag about pretending to boycott something. Please, please do that. That'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs Home Podcast on Farzim Vasugi. Thank you guys, as always, for downloading and listening to the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Share it with a friend. A big thanks to Max Shepman, who joined us here on the podcast. Check out his work at ESPN South Florida and follow him on social media as well. I've got the Chiefs winning in this weekend's action, 38-35. to A reminder, it's going to be a quick turnaround. We'll do a recap podcast on Monday, a preview of the Chiefs and Raiders Thursday night game on Tuesday, and we'll do a recap of Thursday night football on Friday. So you'll get the Chiefs Zone podcast three times next week, and then we'll be off until the following Thursday morning uh, after that week. So uh, the Chiefs Zone podcast will be on a bit of a hiatus, so kind of a nice break for me, taking a break from the podcast uh, thanks to the Thursday night football schedule. So be on the lookout for that. That'll all be available for you this upcoming week. You got a big thanks for listening to the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Enjoy the game this week between the Chiefs and the Steelers. Talk to you next week.